Welcome, everybody, to the Digital Nomad Experts podcast by Beach Commute. Today, we've got Jeff and Marissa, and we are going to be talking about rapid-fire questions. So these are questions that come in from you, the audience, either through email. We get them through. You actually reply back to episodes on Spotify now, which is really fun. We're getting a lot of feedback through there. We get them in social channel. We get them all over the place. And we <laughs> actually log these. We write these things down and we use them on these once every, I don't know, few months, how, however often we get these in. Um, we will do rapid fire questions in which we ask each other one of the questions back and forth. And the other person has no idea what the question is and they've got no preparation time to answer said question. So you get really <laughs> candid responses. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of fun. You get really candid responses about what this lifestyle is about and you have to come up with tips and tricks like on the fly and so far we actually i don't think we've actually cut out anything yet if i can remember <laughs> correct i mean there was some bullshit in there there was some probably fairly bad responses but i don't think we've actually had they're to great, cut Jeff. anything out yet not yet i think they're great responses they're honest you get the honest truth from real digital nomads who've been doing this for years and we love helping you. But before we get started, Jeff, why don't you tell us, I know you're in Colombia, back in one of your favorite places. How's mm -hmm. it feeling? What are you up to? It's good. I Just arriving here, we're in this really strange heat wave. I've said it before in this podcast, usually the climate is kind of, you know, it's pretty mild. You get to around like 78 degrees and then in the afternoon you get a bit of a shower, but it's been nothing but fireballs and like high <laughs> 80s all like the week and a, a week and a half. I've been coming here since 2015. I've never seen anything like it. So I went straight from sweater weather right into like full blown summer, which is exactly <laughs> what I signed up for too. So you do like and it. You like this. Heat. I do. Yeah, right. yeah. It's, it's been kind of nice. And uh, this last weekend, we got to do something that uh, we talked about previously on a couple podcasts ago about locations and stuff that you would only do if you're a digital nomad. Yeah. Um, we got to go to my girlfriend Manny's uh, family's finca way up in the mountains and just see what it's like to live on like an actual functioning ranch. So finca actually means ranch where they've got livestock and all that kind of stuff. So we hung out there at the ranch. We went to a small local town, um, went to some of the little markets and stuff. And it was it's great. It's just one of those cultural experiences that you really only get when you're on location and you've got time to go way out of the way and get off the beaten path a little bit. So that was just a nice little reminder of those, you know, those experiences that keep me coming back to this lifestyle over and over again, yeah. kind of getting out of the bubble a little bit, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's good. I'm glad you're, you're back there and enjoying it. And you were full blown Pura Vida <laughs> mode. How's that going? I am full blown Pura Vida. So I am in Costa Rica. If you don't know Pura Vida, it's like the slogan, the tagline of the country, but genuinely people, it's almost like you say hello, goodbye, like what's up? It's like Pura Vida. Like it just, it means, it translates to the pure life. And it is, it is the pure life. I feel like I've got a nice like glow from the sun on my skin. I have just been just living a slow life here and I'm obsessed with it. I was, um, I met some people here who invited me to join them for dinner last night and she sent me a text and she was like, do you want to come? And I was like, sure. What time, like what time are you guys meeting? And she was like, well, after the sun sets, as soon as the colors disappear, like then we'll meet. <laughs> and I was sense. like, actually that clicks with me. It does, right? It only makes sense when you're living in a, in a beach town where life revolves around the sunset, the slow pace, and it's like bright here at 6.30 a.m. I'm like up early on the beach, working out on the ocean before I start working, and I am just happy here. Like I, 
I love it. I feel I had some struggling months in the U.S. with like all sorts of had COVID and bronchitis and sicknesses and. I was just, there's a lot going on and I just feel like I'm like, I'm glowing, I'm happy, I'm healthy. And it's just a good reminder. I was getting pretty complacent. I've been in the States for several months and I was like, I'm good here. This is good. And then I got here and and it's just like, you kind of set a reminder of like, oh yeah, this is why I travel. This is why I love this life and this scenery. So I am super happy here by the ocean and living in a tiny little beach town. Yeah. Pura Vida life is uh, <laughs> slowing down. You don't have a choice but to slow down. You have to. No you choice. Can, it takes me a couple of days when I get there. You know, it'll take me two or three days to uh, acclimatize to it uh, because everything's just so slow and you don't have a choice of it. It's like your food's getting delivered slow. Your check's coming slow. Everything's moving slow. And you just eventually go, all right, I'll start moving slow. A hundred percent. I was talking with someone else who's been living here a little over a year now. She's also from the States, from South Carolina, and she said, she was, she's like, I'm a very, you know, like type A, I'm planned. Normally I have like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, like everything planned. And she said, it's taken her a long time, but she was like, Marissa, I have finally adjusted to the Pura Vida life. Like I don't have plans for the week. I'm just kind of going with the flow. Like you can't, you just can't not live that way here because that's just, just the beautiful slow life, but it's a good one. And I'm excited to answer whatever digital nomad questions are coming our way today so that we can help you to find a remote job and start traveling too. Okay, let's do it. I've got the first one to you. Question is, how do you approach networking and making professional connections while constantly changing your location? We've definitely never had that question. I was gonna say, that's a. I feel like a lot of questions are sort of different forms of ones that we've had. I don't think anybody has ever asked anything about this. And it is a great question, especially just as the world has become more remote. Um, so I would say, so again, let's see, how do you approach professional, it's saying making professional connections if you're not like in the same place in your city making that. As we always have a rule on this podcast when Jeff and I ask each other questions, so we don't know what it is. It's like, what's the first thing that comes to mind? So there's two, um, two things that come to my mind and they're both two communities that I have been a part of over time. So the first one is um, Nomad Cruise, actually. When I think about this one, Maybe it's top of my mind because they've just done, uh, they just did a trip from Spain to Brazil and they actually just did a trip to Antarctica. Now there's like 30 nomads, probably more than that, in Buenos Aires in Argentina after that. So Nomad Cruise, which also um, has something called Nomad Base. So Nomad Cruise is when you're actually on a boat. And I like to think about it as a bunch of digital nomads who actually like ironically take time off to have like a business conference on a boat. So it's usually anywhere between call it 200 to 400 digital nomads or aspiring digital nomads who want to learn about the lifestyle and, you know, get a remote job and figure out what people are doing. But it's one of the best ways. There's a lot of really great professionals, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of high end, like people who are just working in awesome jobs who attend this call it, you know, business conference on a boat, but it's, it's a cruise and it's people who have prioritized this lifestyle. So as I think back, there's still a lot of people. I went on this cruise back in 2019. There's still a bunch of people I have in my network that I still talk to, network with, brainstorm with. People became my clients, I've coached people. I spoke on the cruise. So it's just a really cool way to make professional connections, but it's also people who, who are also moving around and, and living the digital nomad life. So that's number one. And then number two is our beloved Wi-Fi tribe. <laughs> so that is Diego's company. That's where Jeff and Diego and I all met. So as you can see, like talk about professional connections there. We all met. We loved talking shop, talking business all the time. We loved remote jobs and all that. We formed this company because we met through Wi-Fi tribe. So 
To me, Wi-Fi Tribe is similar to Nomad Cruise and Nomad Base, just having a lot of really smart, awesome professionals who come from different countries, who do all sorts of different, like work in different jobs, companies, industries, and it's just a really cool way. There's so many times that I've heard people from Wi-Fi Tribe hiring other tribers at their company, giving referrals, starting businesses together like you and Diego and I all did. So those are the first two that come to my mind, but really it's just... Once you do that, you got to like stay in touch. I, you know, it seems silly, but like following people on Instagram, I reply to things every now and then I schedule calls and catch up with people or have voice notes. So that's, that's kind of a lot, but any thoughts or anything else that you do, Jeff? I mean, it's kind of hard not to make connections as a digital nomad. Like the people <laughs> that we interact with, typically it starts as friends first. And then yeah, those, those people, these digital nomads out in our world tend to be really like high level professionals or whatever they're doing. Yeah. And you, and, and a lot of times they have certain crossover in what they're doing and you might have a skill set that complements their skill set and they might actually need something from yeah. you or they yeah. might refer you to somebody. It's happened to me quite a few times. It's just, yeah. I mean, just through the friendships that you make alone without even trying, without even doing, without even doing that tends to be pretty pretty fruitful so yeah i'd actually it wouldn't surprise me at all if you just get out there and start making professional connections and then yeah on top of it the nomad cruise and then i know of nomad fest is that also a that's a great one as well so that one is in bengsko in bulgaria and that's more of like an on the ground there's also also usually somewhere between 200 400 nomads all there too all it's like a ton of people who also do nomad cruise a bunch of wi-fi tribers are there so it's really just all of that nomad group connection all there. So that's another great one too. So I guess if you want to put it like the big umbrella statement over whether it's Nomad Fast, Nomad Cruise, Nomad Base, Wi-Fi Tribe, it really is just like kind of attending these in-person events with other nomads. And then you go your separate ways and, and keep traveling. But the cool thing too, if I think about my time, like when I lived in New York or LA and worked in the professional world, it all felt very forced if I was networking yeah it's like let me go to this event and schmooze with this person and like back then you gave business cards I feel like those don't even exist anymore but it all felt like the romance yeah totally it felt very forced and what I will say I love what you said here which is it's almost like friendship first so Mm. what I love about nomad life is often when I think about the states the first thing people ask you is like what do you do right like as a career and when you meet nomads it's just really about like you meet the person you mm-hmm. see if you you know what do you have in common where have you both traveled what do you like to do and then sometimes a day or two later it's like by the way what do you do and so you've have this friendship first and then because of that then the networking is is like really meaningful and genuine because you're like oh I know this person I trust mm-hmm. this person like they're really smart oh you do this like let me connect you so it feels like honestly, a much more natural way to network, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I'm just thinking about those mixers when I oh. first got came started to come up and yeah, <laughs> exactly in the professional world. Like you got to go to these like we were researching mixers. all these mixers in San Francisco. You put on the name tag, and you go and like you get your one complimentary cocktail, and you awkwardly walk around a room and try to make connections and, yes. and trading business cards. Yeah, it was the it was the era of business cards. Yeah. It was just terrible. It, it was, was like, what awful, can you do for me? What can I do for you? Thing, yeah. And now it's just like, yeah. oh, I genuinely like you. Let's, let's I do I still this have thing. digital nomad friends. I don't even know what they do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking of a few right now. I'm like, what the hell That's does funny. that guy do? I have no idea. Good friends. Like, it's right. just not even, it's secondary. It's totally secondary. Yeah. So that's number one. Honestly, it's a okay. great way to network. So 
Number two is for you. Let's see what we got. Have you faced any unexpected obstacles or setbacks while living the do- while living the digital nomad lifestyle? And how did you overcome them? Obstacles or that you setbacks? Got this one. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's kind of yeah, it's kind of tricky. You know, I guess I, I could go with the obvious and I could say health setbacks and stuff. And yeah, those are but those are just gonna happen. I mean, you're right. gonna you travel enough, you get you get unhealthy, and that that happens while you're traveling. Um, I guess. Um, a more interesting one was going off, leaving my company and going off on my own as kind of an entrepreneur, consultant type person. Um, and that was, I guess that technically was a little bit of a like quote unquote setback with my travel because I, I really did have to hunker down at home, build a business plan, you know, figure out finances and all that. So all these things that we, we talk to you, the audience about quite a bit, how to how to get some sort of financial security and, and how to actually fund your travel in a way. And I had to rethink, how do I fund my travel? How do I fund this digital nomad lifestyle? I need to figure out uh, who are my clients going to be? What am I going to sell? What is my product? What, what is my actual skill set? Just kind of rethinking everything. I mean, when I left, I had it kind of half-baked. But as everything happens when you go off on your own, what you think you're going to sell and what you think you're going to do you can put all the time in the world into that, but it's going to probably end up being something completely different. And in my instance, it was something completely different. It was very, very different. And um, yeah, and at this point, fortunately, I'm spending more than 50% of my time, probably closer to 75% of my time exclusively on Beach Commute, which is something that I love being able to do, which is really, really exciting. So yeah, I guess more temporary setback in my travel and probably like more of a pause from the career standpoint so that I could build. So like it's kind of like it was a time to build a bit of a foundation so that I could start working on the things that I wanted to do and then get back to traveling again more often. Like I did last year, I think I traveled about eight to nine months or so, somewhere in that neighborhood. So yeah, it's just a more of a rebuilding phase. Yeah, there's a lot of things I actually want to point out for someone listening here. So you traveled, like you worked as a traditional W-2 employee for your company for many years, like the first years of your travel before doing this. And I do think that, you know, we talk about sort of the ladders of freedom, right? The first is like you're locked in an office and then you might be working for a company, but you're free to, you know, be a digital nomad and live anywhere. And then you might be a freelancer and then you might be an entrepreneur where other people are working for you too. And then Maybe one day you are just like have passive investments and, and you're good, right? That's like the level of freedom. So I know when I first started thinking about, this was so many years ago before these podcasts exist, before like Instagram was sharing about digital nomad life, but I read the four hour work week and I, to me, I thought the only way that I could travel, have the freedom to travel is start my own business. And so that's what I did. But it took a lot of years, like you said. And so I want to point out here, as you kind of left that working remote and started your own thing, you actually had to stop traveling a little bit. You still did, you know, you hunkered down and and did this. So for anyone listening, you know, maybe you already have a remote job or a company and you can just like get going. But if you are thinking about like, what is the best and fastest way for you to start having the freedom and the income to travel? We always suggest starting with just like get a traditional job with a company that gives you that consistent income, the consistent income so you can just get started right away. Because as Jeff said, there are so many setbacks with entrepreneurship, with freelancing and all of that. And it can take a long time to start making that money. So if like, even if you want to do that one day, if your primary goal is just start traveling, 
we always recommend getting a remote job now and then start building that, you know, as you go on the side. But it really does depend on your priorities. You don't need to start in a hard mode for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's there's already too much to figure out with becoming a digital nomad. <laughs> it's, it's all doable, but there's a lot. It's a lot of input. You know, it's a lot of yeah. figuring out a lot of logistics and stuff. So don't double down on it right at the beginning. Just kind of, like I keep yeah. saying, just take one step at a time towards this and just kind of ease your way into it. You don't have to go just jumping into the deep end immediately. So that's, that's a really yeah. good point, especially okay. when it comes to your financial security. Question three, you ready? What strategies do you use for finding affordable and comfortable accommodations in different parts of the world. Ooh, this an is easier a good one. Yeah, no, it's a, good a little one. bit easier. We've talked some about this, but I love this as a straight, direct question. So I usually start with Airbnb. It's the same way like when we talk about flights. It's like you start with the generic way and then you sort of like funnel down into more detailed, nuanced ways. So I usually just go on Airbnb. Let's say I'm going to go to Cape Town in South Africa. I would browse Airbnb. I start to look at like what neighborhoods, like what can I find? What do the places look like? Just so I have an idea of what it costs. Sometimes I'll find a great deal. I'll book directly through Airbnb. I might book directly through VRBO, which is another similar um, like type of just vacation rental sort of booking, but you could do long-term. Something I do like to do with Airbnb host, um, it's a little bit tricky. You kind of can find ways to negotiate offline um, and see if there's ways or Wait, even how? just... <laughs> I'm like, I don't know pause. if I want to say, say this. Pause. Uh, yeah. Pause and, pause and unpack. Please. Oh man. Okay. I'm like, Airbnb, don't listen to this. Um, well, they're, to, not, they're not a sponsor. We're all right. <laughs> to start, okay. Well, to start with, there's two different strategies. You can always, I know when I first started looking at Airbnb listings, I thought it was like the price tag on, on clothing, right? Where it's like, this is the price and you choose it or not, but you can send messages to hosts before you book anything. So I like to think about Airbnb, which a lot of people don't know as more of like a, like a foreign market that you can haggle with, right? So you can message someone and say, hey, I see your listing is here. I'm actually gonna be there in just two weeks from now. I see it's not booked. I'd love to stay a month. Um, can you offer me, you know, the, you can ask a certain rate. Do you have a discount? I'll stay for this much. Let me know. Um, usually the closer to the last minute booking it is, the more they're willing to do that because if they still have three months from now, they're like, why would I give you a lower rate? Maybe someone else will come along. Um, but you can negotiate like however long that is. And the worst they can do is say no. Like I have, I remember I was road tripping through Europe and I was booking a lot of last minute Airbnbs and I would message like 10 hosts every night before I was going the next day. Seven, maybe if a few wouldn't reply, seven of them would just say no. And one person was like, yeah, sure. So you just never know. So anyway, that's a random little trick. You can also message them and find ways to connect offline and book not through Airbnb. So I don't necessarily condone this Airbnb, but there's like, it's kind of tricky because Airbnb has uh, technology where you can't say like, here's my phone number, here's my email address. So you have to like find creative ways to like text it out. I'm sh it won't, or it just looks like a blank space. It removes it. If you're like, yeah, send me an email at this, it'll just like remove it from their message. So a lot of people will like put like, you know, the first letter and then like two stars and a dash and like another letter and like period, 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 like another letter. So it's, it's almost like Morse code. It's like, here, here's my contact or here's my email. And then some people will just negotiate that outside of it. So anyway, don't, that happens. <laughs> I'm just gonna, just gonna share the truth on this podcast. But anyway, so that's Airbnb, VRBO is the same. Um, and then the other way, so that's kind of like the, the first sort of easier main ways I book. And then if you really wanna like get in the gnome, there are often local marketplaces. So if you're just looking at Airbnb, oftentimes the rates are jacked up for tourists now, like just straight, you know, for it. But let's say you're going to Cape Town. 
if you know someone local there, maybe you know a nomad who's there, there's different like face like local Facebook groups you can join that are for more like um, like local type of housing or different WhatsApp groups, different real estate agents you can talk to directly. So imagine if you're searching like a local would, like if you were in your hometown or city, like who would you ask, where would you go, what would you do? And you can actually get more local rates versus Airbnb that's often like kind of inflated rate. The last one I was gonna say is you can always just book a hotel and then um, like for, maybe for the first, if you're gonna be there for a long time, let's say you're there for like a month or two, and it's really important to know, like, you really wanna get a feel for the neighborhoods and where you are. And if like, you know, pictures sometimes don't do places justice. So if you're someone who is gonna be somewhere a while, I would recommend booking a hotel, depends how long you're gonna be there for, a couple days, a week, um, just to get your feet on the ground. And then when you see places on Airbnb, you can just say, hey, like, I'm actually here, can I come by and check it out? And that's another way you can <laughs> then connect with them locally and pay locally. Sometimes if you're paying cash directly, They'll give you a lower rate too, but you can also just see places and start to connect with local people and see places there. So anyway, that was kind of a long answer, but those are the the top line ways that I do. Do you, is there anything else that you do? I think just to add to that, um, part of the question was how do you how do you find a place that's comfortable? And ah. I would say just a maybe a few things to look out for if, if we're going to focus on Airbnb and VRBO. Yeah, um, I would look for just a, a few very small details. One is a place with light especially yeah. if you're going to be working from the place. Yes, it's yes. miserable if you're working for a place that doesn't have light. It's also miserable if you don't have like a decent workstation. We've, we've talked about this a lot, productivity yeah. podcast. Like you need a somewhere really comfortable to work that's not your bed and it's not the couch. Yeah. It's just really, really Make sure there's like a table with chairs that are like yeah. ground level. Comfortable and, chair. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Not something that's going to beat up your back too much. And then um, lastly, I actually like a nice, comfortable couch. I might be a little <laughs> bit nitpicky, but like I will... Check out the couch situation. It's just like a really shallow leather couch. I'm like, I, I can't sprawl out on that thing. That's not going to work. Right. You know? That's funny. There's going to be a couple of nights where I have a couple beers and I want to lay down on the couch and <laughs> watch something. I need I need to have that comfort. So those are just a few things. I'm glad you called that. out the comfort part. That is real. And it is really different. Like the way that you might search and look at pictures for like a three night vacation or a week vacation versus living somewhere for a month or two, like you said, you mm -hmm. want a comfortable couch, you need a table. If you're just there for a couple of days on vacation, like you just need a comfortable it, bed yeah. and you know, feel good in the space and have a clean bathroom. But yeah, if you're gonna be comfortable, like you really wanna check out those pictures, look at the reviews and you can kind of mm -hmm. get a feel for, for what it would be like if you can't get there first. So yeah, that's good. I'm glad you yeah. called out the comfort. So with that, I guess we are moving on to number four. So Jeff, uh, this is a good one for you. How do you maintain a work-life balance and prevent burnout when working remotely and traveling simultaneously? Ooh, all right. So there's multi-part question there. How do I? How do you prevent burnout? Is the first one I heard, right? Yep. So wow, that that's easy to accidentally do, and that was something I think actually it's easy to burn out. It's not easy to prevent. I'd say that actually kind of goes back a step to just working remote before even becoming a digital nomad is the the risk of burning out. And one of the problems that you'll run into when you become a digital nomad, you start working remote, uh, either of those things in either order is that it's really, you can open up your office at any time, at any place, really. You've got your laptop with you and you can decide, oh, I want to get a little bit more work done. Whereas in the past, that was impossible because you would physically leave your job 
and you would leave, you would actually physically leave all of your work behind and you couldn't do anything until you got back to the office the next time, which is really good because you can't, you created like a mental and a physical separation between you and your work. And now that you start working remote and start uh, traveling and working online, that separation is gone. All you have to do is grab your laptop and you're, you're plugged right back into the matrix. And that can be really unhealthy. And I think that's probably one of the top problems that a lot of people have when they initially start working in a fully remote job is they just don't know when to hit that off switch. Um, so for me, in order to figure out, you know, how do I balance work and life? I just set set hours, basically. It's like, I've got a very, very regimented schedule. I wake up at a certain time, I start work at a certain time, and then I will try to, as, to the best of my ability, unless something happens that needs my attention immediately, I've got off hours, like that's it. These are the hours my laptop closes. Just done, that's it. And I am available on chat, like I'm available on email. I don't check it too much after work hours. Um, just for my own sanity, because every time you do that, you're kind of getting like a little bit of a dependency loop, right? You'll find that out as you do this more and more, you'll get that little bit of a dopamine hit and you get a little bit of anxiety to it. And all you're doing is borrowing from the next day's productivity from what I find. The more I do that, that night, I'm feeling, oh, I'm feeling productive. You're probably not that productive, really. Like you've used all your productivity hours and now you're just fueling that dopamine anxiety loop and you're just pulling from your creative inspiration, your, your, your power that you have for the next day. So I just say in my mind, I'm not gonna borrow from the next day. I'm gonna give 100% this day, and I'm not gonna borrow from the next day. I'm not gonna go 90% and then 80% and then 70%. And then eventually, once you're depleted, you've got burnout, and you have to take a few days off, and you have to completely reset your brain. Um, so that, that answers the burnout portion what there was a second i think there was a multi-part um, it was, it was basically how do you avoid that when working remotely and also mm-hmm. traveling simultaneously was the other part so it was really oh. mostly about preventing burnout yeah i guess one aspect to the traveling part is um i try to travel if i can at very convenient times for me um so you can get burned out if you overload yourself a little bit. Um, and if you're traveling during times when you need to get a lot of stuff done, it can add a lot of undue stress. So if I can, I'll, I'll travel at very convenient times, right? Like on a Friday or something, or like on a Tuesday night when it's not really going to interfere with, uh, you know, me layering a bunch of work that I have to catch up on and it stress me out. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably all I've got. To. Do you have anything to add to that? I do. I feel like yours was a lot of sort of like the day-to-day tips not to burn out, but to then zoom back and take the bird's eye lens of adding travel to that as a nomad would be to slow down and take breaks when you're traveling. When I think about like when I first got started and even actually many years into traveling, I feel like you and Diego would just be like, what are you doing? Because I was just like going country to country to country to country, just like fast travel, fast travel. And there's just so much that goes into that mentally of finding places to live, figuring out a new currency, like figuring out a SIM card there. Just, it takes a lot of your mental capacity to travel and be on the move. And even if you're just moving to a new place in a different city in the same country and the currency is the same and your cell phone is the same, you still have to feel like, where do I get groceries in this new neighborhood? Like, where do I eat? Where do I work out? So 
really just slowing down is helpful. So even if you do want to travel quickly sometimes, I would say if you're starting to feel like I'm tired, I'm burning out, just take a step back and slow down. So that might be staying where you are, going to a place that's just easier to live. Maybe it's going to the, a beach town for a little bit, living the Pura Vida lifestyle in Costa Rica till your nervous system resets. And then maybe you want to travel again or sometimes going back home. When you think about travel, like all experiences in countries aren't created equally in terms of how easy it is to live. So I remember talking to a nomad friend once who does a lot of adventurous travel like I did. And he would always say, like, I'll go and do something really adventurous and like really push myself and be in a, you know, a quote, hard place to live. And then I'll take it easy and be in a little bit more luxury for the next country. And then I'm going to push myself and then I'll like take it easy for a little bit. So think about flip flopping in that way, too, to avoid burnout. Really glad you added that part because I completely overlooked the fact that you can easily burn out just by traveling. It's just yeah. new bed, uh, <laughs> unpacking, repacking, airports, yeah. new bed, yeah. unpacking, repacking squeezing in work, it's like, oh, wow. And then, yeah, and at the end of that, like you were on a tear for a while there. <laughs> and then was. you actually had to reset for a little bit. You yeah. stayed home for a little bit and kind of recalibrated and now you're back on the road. But yeah, it can uh, it can wear you out, you know, waking up in the middle of the night, like where the hell am I? Yeah, it's a little stressful for sure. sometimes. Real quick, Jeff, before we hop into the next question, I wanna take a second to talk about a brand new program that we just launched called Digital Nomad Jobs Daily. So if you're listening to this, maybe you've been listening to a while or you're brand new, but if you would love to travel the world while you are working remotely, making an income, still progressing in your career, we have a great program where we send alerts every single Monday through Friday with two awesome companies that our team has researched, hand-picked, hand-vetted with awesome remote jobs that are actually hiring that day. So they're not the fake jobs that are like listed and say remote, but they're not remote. It's like real companies that actually let you travel. So if you're interested in that, check out uh, beachcommute.com slash nomad jobs. And if you want to join, we'd love to have you. With that, you've got number five. Can you provide insights into managing your taxes and other financial responsibilities, financial re responsibilities, at home? So great question. This is a big one that I think actually stops a lot of people from actually starting the nomad life before you even begin. So a lot of people are, maybe you'll see something on Instagram or you're, you'll hear about digital nomad life. And you're like, this is awesome. Like, I want to do that. And then you start thinking, and you're like, well, wait a second. Like, isn't it illegal to travel? Like with my company, they have to pay taxes here. How does it work? I've got things back home. And then you just like stop before you even get started. So it can be complicated, but I would say every single person I know who's done it, you sort of just figure it out along the way. But to give the, the overview, one to start, Jeff and I are not tax experts. We are not financial experts, but we can talk a little bit about <laughs> where like it is. And, and for what it's worth, actually, maybe it's it's almost better if you're listening to us to know. Like, I feel like Jeff and I hate this topic. Like, we are not experts in it, and we've been living this life for like eight plus years, and we just, you, you figure it out as you go. So maybe that will help you as well. So anyway, with that, for taxes, um, first, it's really important to note that it's really different depending on what country you're in, what state you live in, if you're an entrepreneur, if you work for a company, like there's there's no blanket advice because it's really nuanced. So I would say if you can talk to a tax advisor who specializes in digital nomad life, like knows digital nomad topics, because I know I've talked to some of like the best tax advisors that just maybe like someone else I know works with in, you know, just in the States, for example, but they have no, like they don't need to know the knowledge of digital nomad taxes because it's not relevant to, to most people, quite honestly. So if you're really interested, do talk to someone who knows specifically about digital nomad taxes. 
Um, but with that, for the most part, wherever you live, you pretty much use that as your, like you almost get taxed just the same, not almost, you do, you get taxed the same way as if you were just like living wherever you have been living. You still have your address that you use, a home base. If you are moving away, you can use a friend's address, a family member's address, but you kind of keep that state or city or wherever you've been living as your tax residency. And then when you travel, um, either you move around fast enough that you can travel to places like a tourist would. So a lot of um, different countries, if you go to Mexico, for an example, a lot of times for most uh, nationalities, you can stay up to 180 days just as a tourist. So you don't have to pay taxes there. Other countries, it might be 30 days or 60 days or 90 days. Or if you really want to stay somewhere for a year, for example, there's a ton of different countries that have digital nomad visas. So basically, you're you're not responsible to pay taxes in the places that you're visiting or living in, but you are still paying them back home. Um, not to super complicate things, there are different ways to start to avoid um, taxes in ways. There's a program called the FEIE if you live in the U.S., um, which basically means if you're out of the country, out of the U.S. for a certain amount of time, you don't pay taxes up to a certain amount. I'm not going to go into full detail. Just go explore and know that that exists. If you Google FEIE, um, you will find a lot of information about that. Um, I also just got a residency in Mexico. I may use that as different tax advantage later. So there's there's so many different like workarounds and things you can do as nomads, but just know that the basics is if you have your home address in whatever country you're in and you're not overstaying any sort of tourist visa in the places you're traveling or digital nomad visa, you're fine. <laughs> like just pay taxes as normal. And, and then financial responsibilities, um, I will say a mistake I made when I first went, I went to Bali, didn't know that I had to use a VPN in Indonesia specifically to access my bank account. And I was like, well, guess I can't access my bank account for six weeks while I'm here. I was just like really naive and knew nothing. So make sure you like sometimes you need a VPN to access your bank account, set up auto uh, like auto bill pays so you're not getting like bills physically mailed to your address that you don't know about. Maybe you can have a friend or a family member yeah, that stop one. by. <laughs> the yeah, physical like, bills. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, everybody's situation is different. But if you still have a address where things are getting mailed to, maybe a friend or a family member can stop by and just like check your mailbox every now and then. And you can see what's bills and what's not and just say like, hey, if there's anything in there that looks like a bill, can you open it for me? Um, if you want to get really advanced, there are services that you can have. Like if you're really just gone for a very long time, there are places we've interviewed some people on this um, podcast like uh, that have basically they're called like mailbox anywhere services and you can send your mail to these companies who say it's totally private they'll like open your mail and scan it and it does it in some that. oh yeah there's like these safe really? and secure ways that they're like encrypted so I, I don't know exactly how it works but yeah there's a ton of companies um that do this yeah so if you like didn't have a friend or family member or someone you want to mm. rely on and you're like really just gone for good you can have services that will scan it so you can see like they'll email you or I think it's like Killer. probably through some, you know, encrypted website. So no one looks yeah. at your bills and personal information. So there's there's tons right. of different ways out there. And again, if this sounds overwhelming to you, I would say it's like, again, reminder, when I first started, I literally got to my first country and couldn't open my bank account for six weeks and didn't know why or understand. So I'm still here. I'm still paying my bill. Like my bills were on auto pay, thank goodness. But you know, my, my credit card, my debit card still worked. I just like couldn't log in. So anyway, just know that you figure it out along the way. You get better and better. Podcasts like this didn't exist. So we'll tell you like use a VPN if all else fails for bills stuff when you're gone. But anyway, yeah, that's my overview. Anything to add to either the taxes or financial responsibilities? 
the amount of things, most of the things that I've screwed up were <laughs> physical, physical mail stuff yeah. that I needed to know. And most of it, the normal personal stuff like, uh, like bills, uh, Comcast, internet, utilities, all that stuff's on kind of on Auto autopilot. Pay. The only thing yeah. I really <laughs> messed up with was like my personal business. So <sighs> a lot of you new starters to digital nomad life probably won't run into that too much, but you get a lot yeah. of mail for a personal <laughs> business, like a shocking amount of mail. Yeah. And uh, there's a few things in there. It's like, oh yeah, I, I definitely should have done that. <laughs> I'll get back to the States and be like, oh, that was due. Business license number 18 was due <laughs> back in March. Oh, that's not good. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, same thing. Still here. Yeah. Yep. Still kicking. Still it's, you, it. you'll, you'll, you'll sort your way through it. It's not one of those things where it's like, ah, oh, I got to get super prepared for that one. It's like, yeah, right. you, you'll figure out. You'll make some mistakes. You'll pay some bills like three months later when you get home that are like a medical bill you didn't know about, but it does. It's, it's not going to like ruin your credit or anything like that. There's like, please pay. <laughs> but now I feel like so much is through email and text messages and calls and, and online. So it's, it's much easier now. Brave new world. All right. Back to you, Jeff. Is this the last question? This is it. It's number six. All right. Drum roll. Drum roll, please. All right, Jeff. What are some cultural nuances or customs that you've encountered that surprised you during your travels? It's a hard Ooh. one because there's so many to choose from. <laughs> Where do you there's even begin? Lot. I have to, yeah, I have to mentally, I have to mentally sort through some places I've been. Um, well, we just talked about one in Costa Rica. Uh, like the cultural <laughs> thing life. is slow life. Take it easy. <laughs> like leave the North American mindset at home because you come yes. in there and you're like, if you're rushing people at restaurants <laughs> and stuff, you're rude. You're just yeah. you're rude, it, and it, it's not your fault. You're used to it. You know, North America, everything just goes a lot faster. You get your bill as the food comes out sometimes and you'll <laughs> find that that actually sucks. You actually don't want that. And it takes a little while of of getting to, getting used to like, you've got the table for the night. <laughs> like they yeah. have no plans on turning that table over at all. You can own that. That's, <laughs> that is now your real estate. Have fun, enjoy the night. Um, you, you don't have to rush anywhere. And that is, that is really, really a cultural thing. That is like embodiment of the Pura Vida lifestyle. There's certain aspects of like in, I would say in Mexico, people from what I've found is maybe not something that's talked about too often. I think strangers are more naturally conversational and interested hmm. in you than the superficial way that I'm used to, at least out in the West Coast. I don't know, maybe the East Coast, it's a little different than you in Atlanta, but I, I find that people have very superficial types of conversations out on the West Coast at least strangers do like very polite right. small talk stuff and i feel like you like when i'm in mexico and i'm meeting some of the locals you can have pretty good deep conversations just with like hmm. taxi drivers i've right. I met a few that i know their entire life story and uh you get invites to stuff from strangers mm -hmm. yeah. invites to stuff i don't get invites to stuff from <laughs> locals in the states you know and I, you get quite true. a bit of that as you start venturing out into different parts of the world. Let's see, something that jumps to the top of the mind that we've got a rule to always speak on mm -hmm. is in Bolivia. You've got um, certain customs that are very strange to us. Customs like you've got witch people that will sacrifice- A llama, a llama fetus. Llama, yeah, like already dead, mind you. Don't yes. call PETA. Like they're already <laughs> they were spontaneous abortions, right? So, and that's a thing. And that's something that in the States you look at and go, 
what? <laughs> yeah, I want to add to that of like, because I feel like you sort of breeze through that, but we did learn that in, in Yeah, I know. Bolivia. I'm trying to get through a lot of spots. <laughs> I, know. I know. In Bo- in Bolivia, this is a wild one. Yeah. People, when you say it's it's almost like miscarried llamas that like have these like natural fetuses that are, will, you know, will mm. never live. Um, if you don't bury, like have a llama fetus under the construction of your home or building, it's like bad luck. So that is I definitely. About that. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, like who yeah, yeah, knew? Yeah. That is a bizarre, a bizarre I totally forgot about culture, that. a bizarre ritual. Yeah. So yeah, you never know. If you're in deep Eastern Europe, you drive like an insane person and that's totally culturally acceptable. And it's very jarring. Like that, that caught me way off guard. I know you've had a few when you were in Africa that were kind of kind of jarring that kind of like hey maybe you can have actually supplement my answer here with yours to make it a fully rounded out answer first one that comes to mind is just like a totally different culture was a there was a tribe in namibia that we went to go visit where all the women's like you know they, they don't wear tops they have all these different rituals for things they put on their bodies and like wear their hair and shoes and jewelry in different way based on how many kids they have or like the order of your birth so and and they are nomadic they're one of the last like fully nomadic tribes that still exist in the world that move their homes around and move where there's water Mm. and cattle and things like that so yeah that was a really baffling wild one I think to me, a lot of the places that I've been, just seeing how much people gather, like how family is really a community. Like I met some people um, who were from India. I remember meeting these two boys and just telling me it's like they live with three generations and you know in their homes always. It's like the the parents, the grandparents, and the children all live under one roof like forever. And it's just, that's the way they do. And I was like, that sounds like to me, living with my parents and grandparents, like, you know, be nice for a little bit. It's lovely in some ways, but I'm like, oh, that's like, I like my space. I like, you know, that it sounds nice to, to have your freedom, but to them, it's just mm-hmm. like, that's, that's how you live. And you said like inviting people places. I met this, these two guys in India, from India when I was in Thailand and like they invited me to their wedding in India. My taxi driver in Egypt invited me to his cousin's wedding, you know, that night. Like people really do just, yeah, it's like the world is more welcoming, I think, than than back in the States. But yeah, there's so many also different, like just the different cuisines, different ways that you eat, different times that you eat, different like ways that you address people or don't address people or like mm-hmm. things that are, you know, hand motions that are wrong or, you know, in some places yeah. where you or eat opposite. with your hands <laughs> or opposite. Yeah. I'm thinking about like Oman, you eat a lot of food with your hands. So like salad, fish, rice, yogurt, like you literally just, it's like in a pile on a, like just on the table or on the ground. And you just like literally eat with your hands. But when you go to the bathroom, you're just like only wipe with one hand because you eat with a different one. So it's like really inappropriate if you use the wrong hand when you're eating it's like there's there's just so many weird different cultural things that you uh you learn along the way when you travel but that's a fun one be fun to like to do that yeah how you dress is a big one too that's a good one some places are super casual i mean you've you've pretty much got it right now costa rica (laughs) the most casual short bathing suit everywhere you go bathing suits wherever you go You go to Italy and everybody's dressed like absolutely gorgeous in the nicest <laughs> threads, like when, especially when you're going around Florence, just walking yeah. around. People are just, I'm like, wow, I look like a bum. The bums yeah. actually look a lot better than I did. I, I looked like very disheveled. That's a good it's just a lot, dress. Yeah. And yeah, you go to the Middle East and, you know, I had to cover my shoulders and my knees. Yeah. Like I couldn't wear a lot of my clothes in some of those places, but you dress to, to match the occasion. Or when I went to Nepal, mm-hmm. 
I remember being like, can I have my shoulders exposed? I don't think I can, but then some people do. So it's, yeah, there's some, whether it's like, like you said, food, clothes, which are, you know, family members and there's all sorts of, you know, baby llamas. You never know. <laughs> when I was in, uh, it reminds me of when I was in Armenia, we were told that this, this custom, um, if you want to date somebody's daughter, man wants to date somebody's daughter, they have to go over to the house first. They have to meet the father, but not only do they have to meet the father before going on a first date, you have to drink with the father. And the father is going to make you drink as much as he as you can possibly hold. And That's if you can't amazing. hold up as much as as he does, you're not oh, wow. worrity of taking out his daughter. I don't know if that's a red that. flag or a green flag, because in my mind, it seems like a problem. Right. <laughs> if you're able to drink as much. Uh, and that's the, that's the litmus test. Can you test imagine on, on in the States good... if that was, that was like required? That's, uh, I just love different that's cultures wild. and hearing these things. Like, I feel like that's honestly the reason I travel is you start to learn these types of these things. These things are, that's it. I, God, I really do want to do, you know, make a note. Just make you know, know, add to, to the list. Cultural, cultural stuff. Things we've learned and experienced along the way. I come up with more podcast topics, recording podcasts than any other time. <laughs> That's the way. But do send us an email if there's anything that we talked about today that you want to know more about, or if you have a question that wasn't answered today, send us an email at hello at beachcommute.com. We really do truly take in all your questions, and we either do a full podcast episode about it or add it into these rapid-fire questions. So we love to hear from you. Do let us know. And other than that, if you got any value from today, uh, if you want to give a five star subscribe, thumbs up, we love that. It helps more people find the podcast. And again, if you are ready to find a job, a remote job that actually lets you travel the world, do check out beachcommute.com slash nomad jobs. And other than that, Jeff, I guess we'll we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Thanks everybody. Bye.